What's going on? You're listening to Pick 6 Week 16 Preview. It's crazy how fast the season is gone. A lot of uh, ups and downs, but certainly an up, and we'll get to it in a second, of course, is the legendary Drew Brees. But first, let me bring you back. Nolan Kangas, Jeff Wall, David Crosby behind the glass. Mr. Producer Man, as always, and guys, Drew tore it up. That was probably one of the best games I've ever seen him play, and that's hard to say because we've seen him have some dandies, but about 29 for 30, 307 yards, four touchdowns, including breaking not one, but two records, the best completion completion percentage in a game, and of course, all-time touchdown record, passing Peyton Manning. So that's going to move us forward. We know he, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks ever. We know that was a terrific performance. We know he's one of the best quarterbacks playing right now. But where does he rank all time? And it, you know, we creates a lot of discussion because you go way back and you got, you know, the Montana era. If, if one of you guys went top five and said auto, Graham, I swear to God, get off the set right now. <laughs> but, of course, you still have players playing today, players who just retired, like Manning, who, of course, Breeze just broke his record. So we're going to break it down. Let's start from five. Cross, if you want to get me started, who's the fifth best quarterback of all time? I had a tie. I couldn't decide oh between God, of these course, two eh? guys. I know it's me every week, guys. I can't. I'm too indecisive. But I had Dan Marino and Peyton Manning at five for me, and I, I couldn't decide between these two. Listen, I know Peyton Manning is one of the greatest ever, and maybe that's a bit of a hot take that I have Dan Marino up there with him. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's the last year of Manning's career that I can't get out of my head. But I, I couldn't decide between those two. It, it's a pretty even for me. That's a little bold. Like, I, I, for me, I, you know, I'm not going to say it right away where Manning is, but he's definitely up there for me. Marino, he's kind of close in the same spot, but Jeff, get me started where, uh, who's at five for you? Five. Mm, I think I'd have to go with Johnny U. Johnny Unitas. Really? Yeah. So you went way back, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I, I like, I've always liked Johnny Unitas for some reason. I, I, I don't know what it is about him. I just always respected his accuracy and, and everything like that. He just... I don't know. I think he kind of molded that quarterback position, sure. I think, to what it is today. So I, I kind of have to give him credit there. I don't usually love to give pioneers and all, all that all, all the credit in the world, but I kind of have to give him a lot a lot of respect. No, no not not a bad choice at all. He was, you know, I mentioned Otto Graham, but after that, he was, you're right, he was the top guy. It's pretty crazy to say that, you know, the game's evolved that much, and you look at that Colts franchise and the quarterbacks they had for quite a bit. It's an incredible run. Five for me, Marino was six. And it's just that Super Bowl title that gets in the way. And Unitas would be in, on my top ten. Five, I had John Elway. And if you look at the numbers, they're actually not too impressive. But he was the prototypical quarterback for a long time. He had the huge arm. He was still mobile when he... Uh, and we saw it in that Super Bowl when he had the helicopter flip. He still wanted to run out and get a couple of yards. But two titles, five Super Bowl appearances, an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP. That's a pretty good resume all the way down the board. I That's why I like Elway at five. So now... I'll get it started with number four, and we'll go all the way around the horn. For me, this is where I put Drew Brees. It, it, it might be a little low, but there's the one staggering thing that comes out to me as well. He, yes, he has all the records. He's you know terrific. Three of those NFL records, yards, you know, the completion percentage, most completions, most accurate quarterback, whatever you want to say, the most touchdowns. He only has one All Pro. He's only been the, like you know that the best quarterback in the league. One year. He should have an MVP. That 2009 year, he was unbelievable and actually should have beaten Peyton Manning. One Super Bowl, one Super Bowl MVP. He's only been to the one time, like, Super Bowl. That, that's what's crazy to me is thinking, how can I put him all the way near the top when he's only been to the big one one time? Jeff, who do you have at four? 
Uh, for I have to go with Joe Montana. He's not a guy that I always think of as like the absolute best. In fact, I actually kind of criticize the 49ers a lot for you know I think a lot of people don't understand that they have so much talent on them. But I don't know that there's ever been a quarterback that's been cooler under pressure than Joe Montana. So if you're you know we pretty much mostly give you like you know five marks out of ten for being clutch almost every time out of every category. So I have to give it to Joe Montana there. Joe at four. Okay, Crosby, who do you have at four? The man of the hour, Drew Brees, came in at number four nice. for okay. me. And this was pretty tough. I almost put him at three. But I think if he wins another Super Bowl before his career finishes, which I definitely think is a possibility, they have a great team in New Orleans right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays till he's 45. I think he's uh, got to stay at number four until he gets that second title, though. So pretty much the exact same reasons as me. Just being in that one title game doesn't put him in, you know, higher enough. But... You think of he's only two years younger than Brady. He looks much better than Brady right now. But at number three, who do you have? Number three, Johnny Unitas. And Whoa! He is a legend for a reason. And and that was the tough one for me with Drew Brees and Unitas. You know, it's hard to look back. And, and we've all seen the highlights. You can look over the numbers. But it's really hard to appreciate how much different the NFL is today than it was back then. And, you know, I, I couldn't leave Unitas out of my top three. He, he's, he was an amazing quarterback. But like I said, Brees still has a chance to pass him. Okay, nice. so I'm the lone one who doesn't have Unitas. Jeff, who do you have at three? At three, I actually have to go with Drew Brees right there. Okay. I think I, I've, I've always been a big believer in Drew Brees. I've also respected the fact that I don't think he's ever had, and not saying he had bad receivers, not necessarily. He's had very good receivers. I just don't think he's ever had that outstanding, incredible target it's up until these last couple of years with Michael Thomas. But throughout his career, where, where, where he's been breaking all these records, who's been his guy? It's pretty much been Marcus Colston and Jimmy Graham, and Jimmy Graham's done absolutely nothing since leaving the New Orleans Saints. So I, I absolutely have to go with Drew Brees. I think him not making that, that Super Bowl a few times, is a lot of it's been down to his defense. And yeah, you know what? He is a bit of a riskier quarterback. He does throw the odd pick sometimes, but I love the, way he, the, the fact that he is willing to go for it, and I love that in any quarterback. No, I, I love Drew. I think he's definitely one of my... I'm trying to think of favorite quarterbacks to watch. In today's day and age, it's got to be Lamar or Deshaun, something like that. But still, he makes those throws that are incredible for a guy his size, too. You love seeing those small guys absolutely dominate. For me, at three, I had Joe Montana. And the reason for it, yeah, a lot of people might put him higher. Jeff had him a little bit lower, like myself. Four Super Bowl titles, right? And he's got the uh, three All-Pros. But to me, it's just... The stats aren't there. The game has changed. I completely, you know, you had Roger Craig just running the rock the whole entire time. But, you know, you had the best receiver of all time in Jerry Rice. And he only hit 30 touchdowns once. I know the game has changed. But for me, numbers, like, control what, you know, what people rank. Who's number one, right? That's why Michael's number one. That's why Gretzky's number one in their respective sports. I can't put Montana high enough because of those numbers. I don't know if that's a hot take or anything, but I'll move on to number two, which seems like a hot take saying as, you know, Crosby had this guy tied at five. I have Peyton Manning at two. Four Super Bowl appearances, two titles, one Super Bowl MVP, a five-time NFL MVP. He probably should have four. I already mentioned Drew Brees should have an MVP on that resume. Seven-time All-Pro. That means when he was playing in the league, seven times in a season, he was the best quarterback. All these guys are beating his records. He changed the game study-wise. There's... He called basically all of his own plays. Boom, call to the line. Idaho, Idaho, Omaha, Omaha. Changing whatever he sees the defense, clicks, touchdown. Unbelievable what this guy could do. And I think that molds into why he's one of the best ever. 
there's only a re- you know there's a reason why someone's up at number one, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But Jeff, who do you have at two? I have the exact same guy. I have Peyton Manning. I think when you look at his arm talent, and you you know what always astounded me is the way. Like, no one, I don't think anybody, and this includes even the guy above him, um, it could control the trajectory, like the flight path of the ball better mm-hmm. than Peyton Manning. He's made some throws, getting just over the fingertips of the defenders. And the, the beauty of him is, like, he never had the most outstanding arm talent. I don't even think he had a quick release, per se. He was just so much smarter, so much more accurate, so much more aware of the game. And the other thing is, too, he adapted over time to the to the game you know he also worked with a lot of different sets of of offensive weapons so that's another way just of showing his versatility he never had to have a tall guy a fast guy and he could make just every single throw on the football field the only thing i have to knock against him a little bit is that like it just seemed like you know in that same super bowl he after the after the first half, where was he? Where did he go? That's, true. That's the biggest thing for me. And it, obviously, Crosby mentioned why he was at you know, number five is that second Super Bowl ring. He was a no show, right? The defense carried them to that title. It's just you know maybe their defense was good in some years and it wasn't in others. But you know Jeff, you know he mentioned it as well. It's just the way this guy studied the game. And you know everyone talks about the Ed Reed situation where Ed Reed played a play, you know week after week after week wrong. To fool Peyton Manning because he knew Manning was going to look at the film, see what he did wrong, sees he was going towards the you know the skinny post uh, in on the uh, with the slot receiver. So I'm going to go to the fly. Reed fools him, pick off right. So it's just it's crazy how in depth he is with the game. So Jeff, I love the pick, and I think that just before you say uh, like that's another thing about Peyton Manning. He literally forced def- another all-time great defender yep. to change his own game just so he could beat him, just so he didn't get torched by Peyton Manning like anybody else. It's great. Before obviously you know Brady, uh, who obviously we're, we're going to mention in a second. That's pretty obvious, but. Everyone's saying, oh, this guy's the goat, or we want to, you know, come up and shake his hand. That was the situation for, for Manning. Everyone wanted to shake this guy's hand because he was just a legend. David, uh, who do you have at two? Joe Montana so you, made okay. number two for me. Joe Cool, I, he is one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. You mentioned Jerry Rice, but it takes a great quarterback in order to make one of the best receivers in the history of the game. And listen, all Joe Montana did was win. Year after year in San Francisco, he had a 14 and 5 record in the playoffs. He was unbelievable. And I don't know, I'm a little disappointed how low he was on your list, guys. I don't know what to say. I don't know. I just think for me, you know, it came up to, you know, numbers as well. And it obviously it can be talked about our number one guy as well is the coach situation, too. They have as a brand new offense. You have Bill Walsh coming in who liked to pass the ball a little bit more. And still, the numbers, you know, weren't overly impressive to me. The wins are there. I get it. You know, and that's why he's so high on a lot of people's list. If Joe Montana had two Super Bowls, where is he? Let's say if they swapped, you know, you know, errors in time with uh, Steve Young and Joe Montana. Let's give Steve four Super Bowls and Joe Montana, you know, the two. Oh, I, I would put a zillion dollars that Young is the better quarterback all time. Is that, like I don't think that's a hot take at all. It's just Steve Young has the two. He didn't get to play his whole entire career, obviously, with the Bucks and then being a backup. So I, I just have to put him not as high as you have, Crosby. But if we want to get to number one, you can get us started, Crosby. Well, I just want to quickly touch back on Joe Montana, and this is what kind of swung it for me, is in the playoffs, he always got better. His touchdown percentage went up. His interception percentage went down. His yards per attempt went up. He played his best football when it mattered the most, 
And that's why this guy at number one, which we're all going to have, is unassailable. Tom Brady, who is better in the clutch than Tom Brady? And, you know, forget about this here. Throw it out the window because none of it matters until the playoffs come around. But Tom Brady, it's almost hard to believe how consistent he's been across his entire career and the amount of change that's gone on around him year after year I mean one year they have the most dynamic wide receiver in the game the next year they have you know they go full tight end two tight ends on the field all the time and then they go spread out hurry up offense like he adapts with the time so well for a quarterback that can't run to save his life it's amazing how successful he's been yeah, I got to go with with my guy, uh, Tom Brady, the, pretty much the guy who realistically inspired me to even like football. I remember back in the day, even even in actually the Super Bowl loss to the, the first one to the Giants, I just loved his his demeanor and everything, the way he tried to get his team going. I also loved that, like like you said, Crosby, he adapted every single era. He had a different set of, of receivers, as we mentioned, right, and different set of uh, skilled players on the field. And another thing that I think he has done better than just about anybody, you mentioned it, like he can't really move, but who moves in the pocket better than Tom Brady? Who moves literally like a centimeter to the right and then one and then a centimeter north kind of thing and completely avoids a sack or two? And that to me is incredible. And then also just his longevity and how he's just constantly getting better. And you mentioned it as well, the playoffs. I feel like we're all kind of saying like, oh, they look terrible, but in the back of our heads, Aren't we kind of thinking, like, wait until the playoffs come and we might see a completely different Patriots offense all because he's going to turn it on? I completely agree with both of you guys. I think that's the obvious pick, and everyone knows that. And you're right. It's that offense that changes. You mentioned Randy Moss, and a few years later when Moss moves on and is getting up there in age, here comes Wes Welker, this guy nobody even heard of, and becomes insane with catching the ball. He, he Receptions over the middle. He doesn't care about getting hit. He has that guy in Julian Edelman now. It just... Every single year, he's. It's crazy to say he has gotten better. This year, he's taking a you know a step off the gas. We know when it comes to playoff time, it, it's going to be different. It, you cannot count him out, even in that. And I, I'll be the first one to admit the Falcons Super Bowl. They're up twenty eight to three. I I remember I was at school. I go, oh, I better start working on a project. I can't believe this is such a blowout. Once they scored that first touchdown, I, I got to get back. Something something's going to happen. You didn't think they could do it, but there was a little bit of hope. And then they start pouring it on. You're thinking, this is crazy. He's the only guy who would be able to have that car moving that way. Yeah. Only guy. He is so so competitive, and that's what I love about Tom Brady and – you know, he made everybody around him better. You mentioned some of the receivers that were nobody. Some of them weren't even receivers when they kind of joined the Patriots. And he is such a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. He'll run the same routes with receivers until they have their timing exactly the way that he wants it. It's almost like he knows what all of his receivers are thinking at the same time while still being able to diagnose the play and the pass rush and everything that's going on. his mind is a marvel. I mean, we talk all the time about his longevity and what he's done, health and diet and recovery processes to keep going this long. His mind is his greatest weapon. He he is way more intelligent than every other player out there on the field. Absolutely, completely agree. Let's move on. He's not actually going to be in the Pro Bowl. I think it's the first time since, what was it, 2008? It's a crazy number. It might be 2010. But it's been forever. That's how good this guy has been all the way until his 40s. He's not going to be there, but there's some guys who probably should be there that aren't. So let's get started with some surprises and some snubs. 
I, I'm going to get started with a surprise. And I was really shocked that this guy was on the roster. It's a receiver for the Cleveland Browns. It's Jarvis Landry. And, yeah, he's been the better receiver of, you know, between him and Odell Beckham. Obviously, we know everything that's been going down in that crapshoot, which has basically become Cleveland. He's sixth in the AFC in yards, fifth in catches. He has five touchdowns. That's okay. That's okay. Over 1,000 yards. But I thought Cortland Sutton, the receiver for the Denver Broncos, was a better choice for dealing with, you know, we had obviously um, – Brandon Allen, Joe Flacco, you got a rookie in Drew Locke, and he's still putting up terrific numbers. He's must-watch football every single you know weekend, every Sunday. He'll make a huge play, and he actually he has more touchdowns. He has more yards. He has a few less catches. He would have been a better fit for the AFC roster. Obviously, you know it's gonna get. It doesn't really matter, but it would have been nice for him to get that nod instead of Jarvis Landry because. Realistically, nobody in Cleveland should get any consideration for a good year at all. Uh, Crosby, do you have someone who was a surprise to you? Yeah, I just wanted to sort of add on to that Jarvis Landry talk, and you summed that up perfectly. Cortland Sutton was the guy I thought should have made that roster too ahead of Jarvis Landry. I made it really, really simple. I just wrote, huh? What? How did Jarvis Landry possibly make the Pro Bowl? I I don't know. Maybe these Cleveland Browns fans needed something to get excited about. So, you know, they all logged in and cast 5,000 votes each for Jarvis Landry. I, I don't really understand it. This is a little less surprising because you dropped the bombshell there with Landry. But Marcus Peters... Um, Oh, so, yeah, Marcus Peters making the Pro Bowl when he was traded for a fifth-round pick is is insane. Like, he he might not be the best player, and he's probably a little bit overrated, and the Ravens do a great job with their system to play to the strengths of the players that they have, but make no mistake about it, he has made the Ravens' defense better than it was before he came there. I, I don't think anybody could have predicted he would have made the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, Marcus Peters has kind of not fallen off a cliff. He's actually looked definitely a little bit better in Baltimore. He has the two pick sixes there, but there's still time to time he gets beaten. Maybe it's just they're playing unbelievably hot football and hot defense where he's kind of shining a little bit. He's definitely not the best corner in that team. I think that's Marlon Humphrey. I think everyone else can agree on that. So I would say that's a surprise as well. Anything stick out to you, Jeff? I mean, I think... For the AFC roster, I think DJ Chark would have been a decent shout. He's, okay, he's, yeah. a tie, he's, he's tied for top five in touchdowns in this league and going through two quarterbacks who, you know, despite all the Minshew mania, Gardner Minshew's actually not that good yet. <laughs> and uh, Nick, Nick Foles is, was abysmal. So I, I think that, you know, Chark has been one of the you know more underplayed stories, I think, at times in this NFL season. That's a good answer, too. And we mentioned you know, a few weeks ago, he was leading the AFC in receiving yards and it was that switch. It was when Foles took over where it plummeted. That's just how bad Foles has been this year, even though Crosby still thinks he's uh, not a bad quarterback. Sorry, you had another point? Yeah, I, I found wide receivers in the last four or five years to be super interesting in the NFL. I feel like teams have a really, really hard time evaluating wide receivers. And it kind of goes back to the year that the Buffalo Bills traded up to to pick Sammy Watkins. Sure. And everybody knows how his career's turned out. He looked great. You know, it hasn't worked out in Buffalo. It really hasn't worked out that well in Kansas City in that fantastic offense. It, how are all of these guys coming out of the woodwork where we don't even really hear about them 
And then all of a sudden, in week eight, we look up and they're in the top three receivers in their conference. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Even look at like AJ Brown versus DK Metcalf, where their draft stock was, where like a dude who could barely you know cut versus a guy who could cut and catch and move. And look what he's done with a Titans offense that doesn't have much else around him. Right, and and that's maybe why Titans were probably one of the only teams that were much higher on Brown than Metcalf. That's why they picked Brown before Metcalf. But you're right, that was all the hype. Oh, look at how big this guy is. Well, Kenny Ball, Metcalf has had a, an okay rookie year so far. But you're right, you're mentioning you know, receivers and scouting-wise. you got to credit Pittsburgh Steelers. They you know kill it every single year. You think of, even though he's had issues, obviously, Martavis Bryant. We know Antonio Brown, but he's still, if he was on the football field, he'd be one of the best receivers in football. Deontay Johnson's having a good year. Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, the list goes on and on. But you're right. It's those receivers who get picked and they're bad. You look at, I believe that's the 2015 draft class, if I'm not mistaken, if you want to double-check that. Corey Coleman, awful. Josh Doxson, awful. Laquan Treadwell, awful. All first-rounders. I think it was one first-rounder who went in there was Will Fuller. He can't really stay healthy, but when he's on the field, he's a really talented, deep threat. All those other guys. When I'm watching Vikings games, Laquan Treadwell, it is awful to watch. It is horrific when he is on the field. Bad things happen. It's just a nightmare. I've got a whole lot of snubs stored up over here that I can't wait to get. And don't worry, Nolan. I'm not going to steal your thunder because, you know, this is the most anticipated speech of the decade. Speaking of decade in review, which we just went through today, I think I'm more excited to hear your take on this quarterback snub than just about anything all season. Sure. But I'm going to go with number one, Tyran Matthew not making the Pro Bowl. He should have got in over Earl Thomas. He was better in every single facet of the game than Earl Thomas. And listen, Thomas is a fantastic player. I wish he came to the Dallas Cowboys. I wanted them to go out and get him. It didn't work out. And, you know, I I think Matthew really, I, I don't really understand how he couldn't have made it. You know, please explain to me how Earl Thomas made it other than the team he's on. And that's sort of something that hurts is when you have a really talented team and you're putting up good numbers, and that's the same thing that happened with Kansas City last year. I believe they led in, you know, Pro Bowlers. That's just because, oh, this is the hottest team. This team's fun to watch. Who's at every position? Vote, 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 vote. And I agree. Matthew's had a terrific year, and he's kind of stepped it up a little bit. We remember he moved out of Arizona. That was shocking. Even Houston, moving out of Houston, that was surprising as well. But he's kind of found a home in Kansas City here, and it's good to see, especially terrific college player. Had a little bit of troubling end to his uh, Louisiana State career, and you know, a late-round pick, and he's you know turned into what should have been a Pro Bowl season this year. Jeff, is there uh, someone now on the board for you? There, there is, and I would say, I mean... I mean, this is probably just going to come off as Aaron Rodgers hate, but, you know, whatever it is, what it is. I, I, I think, you know, because he's on this team that has not been good this so far this year, but they did get a win over the 49ers, Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is one of the nice. only things keeping this team from becoming one of the bottom three in, in the NFL, you know, and, and you know, you wonder, I mean, I hate to say it because I think Julio Jones is an incredible player and I really do not want to see this happen, but what would Julio Jones' career be like if he didn't have a great quarterback hitting his stride like Matt Ryan is now. You kind of wonder what he, what he would look like. And I totally agree with you, Crosby. Trey Matthew has been one of the best players so far this year. And with all his injuries, like with all, you know, just a great story generally, you know, him going from team to team to team, it seems like no one is ready to commit to Tyron Matthew. He's finally done something and he doesn't even get a Pro Bowl vote. Completely agree. And uh, Matt Ryan is obviously a nice pick as well. That was my preseason MVP favorite, but not going to be that way. 
Well, before we go back to you, Nolan, I have one more bone to pick, and it is with my favorite tight end in the league, Darren Waller, not making the Pro Bowl. He is one of only two tight ends in the entire NFL to crack a 1,000 yards right now. He should have made it over Mark Andrews. This just goes back to the Baltimore Ravens again. Listen, yeah, Andrews does have more touchdowns. Waller has been the better tight end. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And it's a shame he didn't make the Pro Bowl. He, he should have been a lock. You look at the numbers, it, it is pretty wild. He has 22 more catches than Andrews. And yards-wise, it's not even close. And I love Mark Andrews. That was my, you know, we, we sort of agree. We had two different tight ends, so we thought we were going to have terrific seasons. You had Waller, I had Andrews. I have Andrews in all four, you know, fantasy leagues. But I, I do think Waller should have gotten the nod there. And you know what's funny? A uh, guest from last season, Ozib, a big Ravens fan, uh, had to mention to me that Darren Waller was also on the Ravens. So you talk about being able to evaluate talent. Man, the the Ravens are second to none right now. They are just incredible with the way that they draft and even sure. free agency. And we talked about trades, getting Marcus Peters for a fifth-round pick. That was the trade of the season. I, I think there's no question about it for me. That was the best trade of the season. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't disagree with you, right? If the Rams don't make the playoffs, sorry, the Ramsey trade doesn't really super work out for you right now. But... Um, for me, there's two snubs. I'll mention the first one, which is a linebacker for the Vikings, Eric Hendricks. Yes, Bobby Wagner, terrific. One of the best linebackers in football. Luke Keekley, one of the best linebackers in football. I get it. They're one and two in tackles. But linebackers have to cover as well. And Eric Hendricks this year has been the best coverage linebacker in football, hands down. Everybody knows that. 12 pass breakups, two forced fumbles. He's 11th in the NFC in tackles. But that's because he's not running after the running back all the time. He's not running after you know the guy just running the quick hook. He's covering usually a really talented tight end, even sometimes the leaking running back or a slot receiver, and he's playing terrific football. He should be a pro bowler. But there's another guy on my list, Crosby. If you want to tee it up, I'm ready to, you know, absolutely smack this one out of the park. All right, folks, sit back, grab yourself a nice cold brew because Nolan is about to bring the heat and it's probably going to come at the expense of a quarterback that I've been pumping up all season long. Nolan, don't wait any longer. Get it off your chest, buddy. Aaron Rodgers this season is not a Pro Bowl quarterback. Honestly, it's not even one of his best years. It's not even one of his five best years. Kirk Cousins has been better in every statistical regard. Sorry, quarterback record is not really a stat. And even though, even though Kirk Cousins has one less loss, okay, one little loss, who's better in completion percentage? Cousins. Who's better in yards? Cousins. Who's better in touchdowns? Cousins. Cousins has three more interceptions. Sorry, he has five interceptions on the year. Still, terrific numbers. Let's look at sacks taken. Rodgers has taken more sacks. Yards per attempt. That's Kirk Cousins. How about rushing touchdowns? They're both one and one. Kirk Cousins has been unbelievable. After getting ridiculed all of last year, even with me, the first two, three weeks of season, oh, he was awful. And he's turned it on. This is without a Pro Bowl receiver and Adam Thielen as well, guys. For if Thielen's missed, what, four or five of the last weeks? And Stephon Diggs had a really bad start to the year, as well, along with Cousins. Cousins has been better than Aaron Rodgers. And sorry, I, I, I get he threw some records, too. Better than Drew Brees. He has to be on the list. 
Yeah, it, it, it kind of blows my mind that Rodgers made the Pro Bowl, and, and I've probably been his biggest supporter this entire season, but he doesn't deserve to sniff this roster. There's no chance. Yeah, I know Jeff agrees with me, too. Aaron Rodgers has been, ugh. 100%. He's, he's had seven games so far this season where he's thrown either a touchdown, one, one touchdown or less, so one or zero in seven games. This is by far one of his worst seasons ever. I know he had the one game where he just torched the Raiders, but again, I, this is... This is the pro. Like, I know you have to get there. There is a part of narrative in, in awarding anybody anything in sports, but like, the NFL has maintained this ridiculous narrative that Aaron Rodgers is one of the top five, if not the best, quarterbacks in the world, and he hasn't been for about five or six years now. He just hasn't been. He's made some great plays, the odd time, but his mobility is not what it used to be. His arm, you know, mostly still there, but just generally speaking, I don't see him as like one of the top guys that I want to build a roster around right now. I'm there with you too. Obviously, age, you know, he's considered as well. If you look at some of his MVP years, even though he shouldn't have beaten JJ Watt out for the MVP the one year, that's another discussion. It just it, this Pro Bowl becomes a popularity contest, and if you ask NFL coaches, oh, who should be on the list? Maybe they do put Rodgers because you got a game plan a lot for him. But simply look at the numbers for once, and it goes back to the Darren Waller, Mark Andrews situation. Look at the numbers. Who has been better? Who's had better games this season? Kirk Cousins went on an insane streak where he didn't throw a pick, he didn't have a turnover, and they were winning games. Aaron Rodgers' two best games are against who? Oakland and the Giants. Give me a break. Well, I think it's also a tough look for Rodgers because he has one of, if not the best offensive line in all of football, uh, which Kirk Cousins does not have the benefit of having. I said this to Nolan before the show, but... It could not set up better for a Kirk Cousins revenge game. This this guy doesn't have a mean bone in his body, but if he's even capable of getting pissed off, he should be so motivated to stick it to Rodgers this week when the Packers take on the Vikings, basically for the division. I'm so excited for this game. This is going to be must-watch TV. And obviously, let's move past the Pro Bowl, and you're talking about revenge games. Crosby, you got a big one coming up on Sunday. Who's going to win the NFC East? Cowboys, woo! They look good against those Rams. The Eagles have struggled to beat the Giants and struggled to beat the Redskins. What are your expectations? This one's at the link. This is going to be a tough one. You know, it's hard because my my up-and-down love-hate relationship with the Cowboys is recorded on this podcast every single week. So, you know, I I said maybe six or seven weeks ago, I I was not going to get my hopes up the rest of the season. I've seen, I know what I've seen on tape. I know what this team is made of. I wasn't going to get excited. I was out. And then last week, they pulled me back in, baby. The Cowboys are back. They're going to smash the Eagles this week. Oh, yeah, just Carson Wentz is going to get just destroyed. They're so bad. They could hardly beat the Giants and the Redskins, man. Like, what? Why do people still believe in this Eagles team? If they make the playoffs, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm even going to be able to watch. This guy's amped up for a 7-7 seven and seven team. That's good to hear, Crosby. Uh, Jeff, quickly, if you're picking a team to win the NFC East right now, is it going to be the Cowboys or is it going to be the Eagles? Gonna have to pump up Crosby a little bit. I have I have to go with the Dallas Cowboys, man. I don't just don't trust the Eagles at all. They don't look like they don't look like anything like a playoff team, not whatsoever. I have to go with the Dallas Cowboys. And another guy that you could probably even put over over Aaron Rodgers this year, and Dak Prescott, who's looked pretty good in his last couple games. Agreeable. Dak Prescott has had a really good year when Zeke has had a down year. 
I'm going to take the Eagles to win the NFC East just to be different. I just, I don't trust them, man. You I don't, don't really believe, you don't I do. believe that. Well, why don't I take the team that's won a Super Bowl and a team that just either plays like crap or plays like good. Plays like crap, plays good. Like, it's just, I don't know. In the link, it's going to be a different environment. I think everyone's getting around. There's so much talk that Carson Wentz is bad, and it literally drives me nuts. And every single week, he makes a play, and I know it's against the Redskins. I know it's against the Giants. But that throw to Miles Sanders, you got to agree. Woo, that was a dart. I'm going to give him credit that he played really well when he needed to in the fourth quarter of those last two wins. Think about this for a second. Why were they in the position that he needed to come back in the fourth quarter in the first place? The Redskins and the Giants are two of the five worst teams in the NFL, and they had to scratch and claw their way to two wins. This team is a joke, man. I I, I was just talking before this show. I would take Teddy Bridgewater over Carson Wentz. What? Yep. Give me Teddy all day. Give me Teddy all day, baby, because you know I've said I'd take Nick Foles. In fact, I would go out and trade for him and trade Carson Wentz away. Carson Wentz sucks. I'm in awe. I I don't know what to say. Carson Wentz would have won the MVP if he didn't get it towards, like, tears ACL and the game against the Rams. I, I don't care if it's Foles or Wentz. They still win the Super Bowl, even against my Vikings in the NFC Championship. They would have rolled them with Wentz. Wentz is a terrific quarterback. What's hurting this team is the secondary. That's the worst secondary I've ever seen. It is a joke. And that's why Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins, who said an awful rookie year, were tearing them up in that game. The Giants, no excuses for that. That was a really bad performance and a bad coaching uh, performance by Doug Peterson. In the Redskins, a little bit of a comeback. It was back and forth, and people stepped up, especially Carson Wentz. Let's move on, winners and losers. Jeff, you can get me started. Who's someone last week who's coming off, you know, they're on their high horse. Who's somebody who really won you? I mean, is, it, is there anybody but Drew Brees that I can go with here? I think it has to be Drew Brees. Drew Brees, you know, passing for now, for now, maintaining that uh, the all-time passing uh, record in the NFL. He's just looking great. I, they absolutely destroyed the Colts, too. I, it seems like I've been a little bit too high on them, I guess. I mean, based on recent results, they, they're getting crushed. Uh, so, yeah, Drew Brees, winner for me. Hopefully he can – I mean, if, there, if there's one thing you can have over Tom Brady, hopefully it's those passing records. We'll, we'll see, right? I guess it's you know whoever has the longer career because it's back and forth, I believe. How many is Brady behind him now? Four? It's pretty close. It two or two or four, something like that? It, it's, it's definitely a short number. Brady – Actually, the way he's been playing, I don't know if he'll finish it this season. But, uh, Crosby, who is someone uh, who is a winner for you this week? Well, I'm, I'm just going to go back just like Jeff, and it's got to be Darren Waller. You might not be good enough for the Pro Bowl in the eyes of the NFL, Darren Waller, but you are good enough for me. You're my winner, buddy. God, really inspiring words from Crosby. Uh, I'm going to go winner, and it's actually going to be dedicated to myself here. I am the winner this week, along with Matt Ryan. And the reason for that is uh, we have our own little fantasy league, and I was really counting on the 49ers to step up, and no one did. That was a joke of a game. First of all, you lost to the Falcons, who suck, but Matt Ryan was amped up on that game-winning touchdown. He probably got himself. You know, they were probably deciding what's going to happen next with the Falcons and Matt Ryan. Guess what? He's going to be back next year, and the reason for that is he was with me. He knew that I predicted him to be the NFL MVP at the beginning of the year. So if they go for two, they hit the extra point. They go for two and score a two-point conversion. I lose my fantasy matchup. For some reason, Dan Quinn thinks they can run the clock on on an extra point, which makes no sense. So they take a knee. I don't lose my matchup, and I win, and now I'm in the semifinals. That's why I believe I was the winner of the week. 
Well, I wonder if Matt Ryan knew that he was potentially saving Dan Quinn's job and he was going to have to struggle through another season with him because that makes him a loser in my books. Okay, well, if you want to get started with a loser, get it started, Crosby. Who was a huge loser after Week 15? Well, funny enough, I picked a winner on this team. The loser this week was the Oakland Raiders. And a lot of you probably didn't watch this game. I might have been one of the few, but here's the Coles Notes version of how the end of this game broke down. Basically, the ref screwed up. Derek Carr scrambled for a first down with two minutes and five seconds to play. He was ruled out of bounds, and he was clearly inbounds. Anyone with one eyeball could tell this guy was inbounds. Like, he, he was feet from, from going to the side. So they stopped the clock. It saved the Jaguars a timeout or about 40 seconds, however you want to measure it. Oakland then got a delay of game because they thought Carr was inbound. So amidst all this confusion, it also costs Oakland another five yards. It pushes their field goal unit back. The kicker, Daniel Carlson, missed a 50-yard field goal. He did get a second chance. He missed that as well from 45. Yeah, he is pretty awful. But... I don't know. The The way this game ended was disgusting. The Jags got the ball with a minute 44 to go. They went 65 yards for the game-winning touchdown, and somehow there's somebody out there even angrier than me. So let's listen to what John Gruden thought of that call. Took the ball on our 30-yard line and ran six straight runs. And Derek Carr ran the ball himself for a first down on a read option. And uh, the league called El River on, and he apologized. Um... And uh, we accept the apology. But, uh, you know, Derek was inbounds, and that play uh, cost us uh, dearly. I don't like it at all. I mean, they stopped the game in Indiana and took my middle linebacker away for 12 weeks. They ended his season. They stopped the game in Kansas City and took Mullen's interception away. Why the hell don't you stop the game and get the clock right? I don't think it was even close. Um, so I'm not happy about it. I, I, you know, apologies are great, but uh, this is 2020. I've been in enough meetings, and um, you know, I'm disgusted by it. I don't want any instant replay in my life personally, but if we're going to have it, let's use it properly. I don't think it's that hard. I couldn't have said it better myself. John Gruden is an absolute beauty. He's been getting raked over the coals ever since he started in Oakland. This basically cost him a win, potentially a winning season for the last season in the black hole. This is an absolute joke. I I can't even believe that they didn't go and review this and then run the last five seconds off the clock. How hard would that have been? You know what, David? They handled it pretty poorly, and so did the fans in Oakland. They were throwing chips and garbage and beer onto the field. It was a pretty ugly situation to a uh, pretty historic end in Oakland. But The refs are lucky that they didn't get swallowed up by the black hole because if I was there with a few pops in me and I was an Oakland Raiders fan, that would have driven me absolutely insane. Imagine watching that on the Jumbotron and basically seeing your season slip away. A year that nobody expected Mm -hmm. Oakland to compete, they pretty much cost them a shot at, you know, it's an outside shot, but at potentially winning out and making the playoffs. This is terrible. That's the way you see the Oakland Raiders one last time in Oakland. That's it. That The ref's screwing you over. And they screwed him over for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, obviously way, way, way back with the tuck roll game. And they do it again to send your Oakland Raiders to Las Vegas. What a way to wrap it up. I'm going to move on, obviously sticking with losers, sticking in the AFC West. 
How about the Los Angeles Chargers? People who pick them to beat the Vikings, you're an absolute idiot. I don't know what you saw in this team. To, and, you know, shout out. I'm sorry to call you out. Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network, picked the Chargers to beat the Vikings. That was the clear one. I was watching. I was. It was a lazy Sunday. I sat on the couch for 12 hours. I, I'm. Whoa, the Chargers. The Chargers to beat the Vikings. They're awful. Phillip Rivers is terrible. They had seven turnovers in that game. Melvin Gordon was a nightmare. He's not going to be on the team next year. Phillip Rivers isn't going to be on the team next year. I feel bad for Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, actually Austin Eckler, who's been the better running back of the two, because they have to suffer with Phillip Rivers, who is not a Hall of Famer. If you guys think Eli Manning's a borderline Hall of Famer, give me a break. Phillip Rivers will never be in the Hall of Fame, especially with a performance like that. Vikings defense showed up. Kirk didn't have his greatest game. Even with Dalvin Cook injured, how about Mikey Boone? Running over people, two scores. So people who picked against the Vikings. Another one, NBC Sports. How about Tony Dungy, former coach? You lost that one, okay, pal? Chargers are my loser. Jeff, who do you got? The Bears. Yeah, the Bears. Oh. Yeah, big time. I mean, it's just this offense is absolutely abysmal. It is so tough to watch. You know, they make a very good pass defense look incredible. They make Aaron Rodgers look half decent. This, this team... This team is so tough to watch. I feel bad for, you know, any NFL fan hoping to tune in for a great game Sunday night. All you're going to do is watch Pat Mahomes just rack up some points, getting closer to maybe somehow getting an MVP race if, you know, Lamar Jackson slips up uh, against the Browns this weekend. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it, was, it was a rough weekend to say the least. It's been a tough year for Bears fans. But, you know, what? I was watching the end of that game. Whatever that guy's name is, the Ivy League fullback, tight end, whatever you want to say, how do you not – Give it to Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson sitting there on the, like just running down the sidelines, wide open. Pitch it back to him, touchdown. You're going for two, and he just keeps. Oh, I'm going to try and keep chugging it, and then fumbles it. Well, that's game. Why? You can't even run fast. That to me that made no sense. How does? And I believe Tariq Cohen was pissed off. He was livid. Fastest guy on the field, probably the fastest guy on the field in any single game he's playing. And he's give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. Nope. Here comes the tight end. Boom. Boom, boom, get the tuba playing. Boom, 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 boom. It was just awful. I don't know. I feel bad for you, Jeff, because I wanted to see the Packers lose to get the Vikings closer to an NFC North crown. But technically, if your guys are lost and the Vikings win, I like the Vikings eliminate you guys. So it's kind of a, you know, it, it, it's, it's a tough situation for me as well. But yeah, I know. I feel, I feel bad, obviously. The Bears, if, uh, they're not making the postseason. Let's move on. Fantasy, studs, duds, sleepers, the best part of the show. You got a stud for me. This was a tough week to, to pick some studs and duds. This is for your championship, too. So if we screw you up, we're really, really sorry. No, you know what? I'm not sorry. <laughs> I don't care. If, you, if you're going to listen to me, then, hey, you've already lost your fantasy season, all right? I lo- I'm already out in three or four fantasy leagues. So, hey, put put whatever you're going to in this pick. But I, I had to call this my comeback player of the week for my stud, and it's Marlon Mack. He has not been himself since coming back from injury two weeks ago. I've got the medicine for him this week. The Panthers are the worst team in the NFL against opposing running backs in fantasy. Mack is going to roll this week. Good pick. He was awful against the Saints, but you know everyone on Indianapolis was really bad. The Saints were just lights out that game. Uh, Jeff, who is a uh, stud for you going into Sunday? I got to go with my guy that has pretty much carried my fantasy team for the most part this season up until this weekend where I lost. Chris Godwin, you know, being the only target for Jameis Winston, who's all he's going to do is bombing out there. I have to go with Chris Godwin. He's uh, he's one of those emerging receivers in in this league. And, you know, with Mike Evans out, I think he's going to show out. 
Yeah, Godwin has had a terrific, terrific year, and he'll definitely be a keeper in a few keeper leagues if you're in one, which I am in, and I, I'm not keeping this guy. I don't have him, unfortunately, but I think this is an absolute stud if you have him. He was locked up last week. He had to deal with Stephon Gilmore. It's Tyler Boyd, receiver in Cincinnati. You're going up against, uh, obviously, Miami. They're terrible. I, 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 I don't know why I picked Miami against New York uh, last weekend. I just figured, come on, Fitzmagic against Eli Manning. Who's better right now? It's Fitzmagic, but... Eli Manning proved me wrong. But, yeah, Tyler Boyd against Miami. He should put up at least six catches, 100 yards, maybe even a score if Andy Dalton doesn't throw it near the best corner. Crosby, give me a dud. My dud is more than one dud. It is every single player in the Browns passing game. Baker, Odell, Jarvis. The Ravens are going to shut them down and force them to run. I would not start a single player out of those three. And uh, let's be honest— Odell Beckham Jr. probably went in the first round of every single fantasy league. So you might be calling me crazy, but this offense is going to look ugly. Uglier than they have all year. And, and, you know, if there's one player on that Browns offense that should be going in the first round of fantasy drafts, it's Nick Chubb. I have him in a few leagues. He's carrying me into the finals in one of them. Uh, For a, a dud, for me, it's another running back. It's an AFC Pro Bowler. Derrick Henry. I don't think he's going to have a good week against New Orleans. He's been dealing with that hammy, and it showed a little bit against Houston. He got slowed up a few times there and and had to rely on Ryan Tannehill. They're going to be playing from behind again against this New Orleans team, so I think Derrick Henry wouldn't... It's tough. You're in the championship. He's been carrying you all year. It's really tough not to play him. He's a flex at best, guys, this week. Sorry to tell you. Jeff, who do you have as a dud? My dud is Deshaun Watson. He's let me down way too many times. I know he's going up against one of the worst passing defenses. I know that Jameis Winston is going to give him a lot of chances on offense, but he has not looked good. He's thrown four picks in his last two games. He just he doesn't look like that guy who we saw as the MVP at first. No, Deshaun Watson, he did not look good against Tennessee last week, obviously, in Tennessee. I'm surprised they even won that game. I picked Tennessee to steal that one away. Um so let's move on to sleepers. Uh, I'll get started. And this is a huge one for me. I need this. I have Drew Locke as my starting quarterback in two fantasy championships. He's a sleeper. You're going against Detroit. They look awful. That's one of the worst teams in football right now. Jameis Winston, who's terrible, had a record, you know, whatever, 240 yards in the first quarter. He had 450 yards, four touchdowns. Drew Locke, I'm counting on you, buddy. I think he should have been a first-round you know, pick. He fell to the second round. He's going to light it up. 300 yards, three touchdowns. He's going to win me some money. Jeff, who do you have as a sleeper? My sleeper is Austin Eckler because the Oakland Raiders must have absolutely no fight left in them. Going on the road, the Chargers, you know, they have a little bit of fight in them. And we mentioned him before, Austin Eckler. He's the second leading receiver on the L.A. Chargers. So uh, the guy that was doing pretty well for me, who I probably clearly should have kept in my fantasy team, Austin <laughs> Eckler. Good pick. Eckler, I really think Eckler can be a starting running back in, in this league, especially if Gordon's going to be moved, moved past. they got to move uh, you know, away from him in that whole paying him situation. Crosby, who's the sleeper for you? Not since Bradshaw went and sat down in the chair in the studio have we had a sleeper that was 0% owned. So I want to break that streak this week. My sleeper is Will Greer. You've heard about him a couple times. He's going to start for the Carolina Panthers. 
0% owned. Think about that for a moment. Not one team out there is rostering Will Greer. Well, he faces Indianapolis this week. We all know how they looked this past week. Greer is fighting for the chance to prove that he should be the starter for Carolina next year. This staff should be calling at least 30 to 35 throws for him each of the next two weeks to see what he has. I think he's got a really good floor. Uh, I like Will Greer, too. I loved him out of college. What happens for Carolina? He plays two games that win both games. He's almost perfect pa- passer rating in both games. He's got to be your starter week one. 100%. I, I, I think... Cam Newton's already booked his ticket out of town. I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. And, you know, Allen, when he stepped in, he wasn't all that impressive. He started off really well. He cooled off. I think he's a below-average quarterback. So, yeah, I think this is Greer's job to lose at this point. All right. So we went through our studs, studs, and sleepers. Before we get out of here, let's pick some wild predictions. Obviously, there's not too much time left in this NFL season. A lot of stuff can happen. We've seen it happen of late. Of course, we remember Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd to send the Bills to the playoffs. That was an iconic moment a couple of years ago. But we're going to pick some uh, potentially iconic moments. David, do you have something on your mind that might happen that would be really wild? Yeah, you're going to love this one. I think the Falcons are going to finish ahead of the Bucks in the NFC. Whoa! South. Just a quick reminder, Atlanta started this season 1-7. and seven. So, if Tampa loses to Houston this week, which I think is definitely going to happen, and the Falcons in the last week of the season, and Atlanta can take care of business against Jacksonville this week, Atlanta holds the division wins tiebreaker and will move into second place. So, 2-0 and to finish the season for Atlanta, 0-2 for the Bucks, and Atlanta jumps to second. Wow, that that would be pretty wild. It, it's kind of a shame for the Bucks, even if they finish 8-8 eight eight or whatever, even though you're saying you're not going to. Where do you go? Your defense sucks. Jameis Winston, you're going to have to hold on to him because he's put up, what, 30 touchdowns and you know, a crazy amount of yards? Oh, God, I feel bad for Bruce Arians, and especially for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You know what? They're putting up numbers. I don't really feel bad for them. And, you know, you live you know, in Florida. You're laughing. Jeff, What's a crazy prediction you think could come true? Well, I think it's it could all start with this week, really, and we have a lot of fans here in in you know in Toronto in the Great White North, Buffalo Bills fans. This is your opportunity. The Buffalo Bills will win this week over the New England Patriots and get their first AFC's crown since God knows how long. And I believe that with that, the New England Patriots will go one and done in the playoffs. Wow. That is a bold prediction. You know what? I was thinking of doing that too because Buffalo looks good. Patriots don't. But uh, what would, that would be their first AFC East crown since 99, right? It's been forever, right? So, no, no one even knows. <laughs> so th- that would be huge. I, I think it could happen. The Pats look really bad. Uh, either way, I think the Pats might be a one and done. It depends what Brady are you going to get, right? And it, it's kind of weird to say, oh, what Brady are you going to get? Because you've been getting the same guy consistently for you know, almost two decades. Wild prediction for me, Vikings win out, Niners lose out. Niners, who were the number one seed in, in the NFC last week, are going to fall to the number six seed and have to go into Minnesota and beat the Vikings in the playoffs. Really wild, because if they, you know, just who they've played opponent-wise... If they lose both games, it's going to be crazy. You got Arizona, and I think they'll absolutely torch. Um, or do they have Arizona to finish? No, no, they don't. They have Rams in Seattle. You're right. Yeah, Rams in Seattle. So that's really hard. That's almost impossible. And that's in Seattle, in LA. That a hey, see, that's what I'm saying. My wild predictions can't come true. And uh, give me a break. 
Aaron Rodgers is going to get flattened this week against Minnesota. Minnesota's going to beat him by 17 points. Lock it in. Bing! I can't wait for that game, Nolan. That's going to be so good. Jeff, I'd like to go back to your take for just one quick second. Even if Buffalo beats the Patriots this week, New England still holds that tiebreaker. They lose to Miami. Be- because they have a better record against common opponents. Now, wouldn't it be incredible if the Miami Dolphins They'll do beat it. the Patriots in Week 17, just like they beat them last year on that crazy last-second play? Man, that would be absolutely unreal. I want to stick on the New England Patriots, though, for one quick second, because we didn't have a chance to record last week, and I've been chomping at the bit to talk about this. Obviously, if you haven't gone and seen the video that Jay Glazer put out oh, yeah, of, of uh, the camera person for the Patriots, who was apparently recording for Do Your Job with seven straight minutes of the Bengals' sideline a week before they played each other, I want to know, what kind of punishment do leagues have to dole out for teams to stop cheating? Because you look at the New England Patriots, I don't think it's a stretch to say they've probably been cheating ever since Spygate if they're still filming sidelines of teams right now in the NFL. Uh, not, I can't remember who tweeted this out, but there was another time earlier in the season for this same do-your-job video where they actually went to another stadium and filmed there a week before they played that team. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Everyone's heard about the Houston Astros cheating. It's not like you can take the World Series away from them. If the pa- Patriots are found guilty, I don't think they should be able to compete in the playoffs. Whoa. That, that's another wild take, but they wouldn't do that. They're, they're too big of a... You know, but I want to know, though, what really, though, what would it take to get these teams to stop cheating? Because like, even if you look at the Houston Astros or the New England Patriots, it's not like you can take that championship no. away. You can't reward the championship to the team that lost in the final game. So what are you going to do? Like a draft pick? They don't care. They could care less. couple million dollar fine. That's pocket change for these owners. There's To me, there is nothing that you can do to stop a team from cheating unless they have nothing to play for. Keep them out of the playoffs. So, uh, obviously, they're not going to keep them out of the playoffs. I think the one thing you can do, you have to force Robert Kraft to sell the team or you have to force Bel- Belichick into retirement. That would be the only thing you can oh. do. Oh. You say, hey, even though if you go 13-3, and you're not going to the playoffs. That would be nuts to say, Belichick, you've been doing enough. You've cheated so many times and we've caught you. You have six rings, you're gone. Or eight rings, right? Because he won a couple with the uh, Giants as a D coordinator. That would be the only thing I could see. Isn't it crazy that these guys are getting paid in cheating and supposedly the Louisville Cardinals basketball team because their head coach oh, he went he sent a couple strippers over to the frat or whatever he did. Oh, title gone. See ya. You know what? What do you think Robert Kraft would rather do? make Bill Belichick retire or not be able to compete in the playoffs in potentially the last good year of Brady's career? I think... I don't know. That's too hard of a question. That's like a really those are question. two. Yeah, that that was a great suggestion though to force the coach into retirement, and not let him. I didn't even think of that. But I think that would be the only thing because if it says, "Hey, Kraft, you got to sell the team." Who cares? I'm gonna make a ton of money off of this franchise, no matter what, right? He'd be fine to do that. If you say greatest coach ever, I'm sorry, you're retiring. Right? I'm trying to think of another sport where they force someone into retirement and it's gotten ugly because of that. And I, obviously, I can't think of one off the top of my head. And obviously Crosby's going to look one up now because that's the guy he is. He wants to be on top of this stuff. But 
it, it's almost like obviously you know Carmelo Anthony's back in the NBA. It was like, man, you got to retire. You're not worth it anymore. You don't have what it you know what it, what you once had. So it's almost a situation like that. But it's not cheating, right? So it, it would be a uh, definitely a weird one to see. But uh, before we go, any other last you know crazy wild predictions? I, I think I you know I heard enough. Of just Crosby right up saying all the Patriots stuff. Yeah, keep your ear to the ground for Antonio Brown's uh, new release, No More White Women. I don't know if you've seen this album coming out, but what a joke this guy is. I don't know who he's surrounding himself with or the people that he listens to, but come on, man. Like, are you really going to go here? You're basically making yourself unemployable at this point. I don't understand, and it's actually almost... It's... What situation... Not what situation. The Josh Gordon situation is sad. Something is wrong. We get that. Five suspensions. Come on. Like, it's the same issue. Clearly, he needs to have marijuana. That's a story for another day. Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers I've ever seen play football. And because he's an absolute idiot off the field, it is ruining his chances of getting a Hall of Fame career. A lot of people think he might be suspended a full year if he gets, you know, whatever it is, reinstated or a team signs him. It is ridiculous what he is doing. And it might only be the second craziest thing we've heard from a wide receiver this week because earlier today, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh said he has no intention of leaving Cleveland. It's too special what they have going on there right now. That's a story for another day. Obviously, Odell Beckham and the Cleveland Browns, what a nightmare it has been. You've been listening to Pick 6. We will see you guys next week.